listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Web Radio, and it's uh, I, I've got to get my act together here. My act is uh, floating around in space, I think, this morning, and uh, not doing well. But we're uh, we're here and live on America's Web Radio. We've got Steve Ronaldo in and Jim Weber both for the Classic Car Show. Starting right now, we were uh, boy, I was asleep at the switch and didn't realize the time had gotten away from me, but it had. But anyway, we've got. Um, the Champlain Auto Museum in uh, Plattsburgh, New York. Plattsburgh, New York. And we've got Mr. Richard Soper on the line with us. And uh, welcome to America's Web Radio, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate uh, uh, the information we're going to give you. Well, it, it should be fun. And uh, we've, we've had a number of other museums on that, uh, yeah, this is just fun. And, and we, we really promote grandparents and parents taking their kids to auto museums and around the country and let them, letting them know and see how important the uh, automobile was and is to uh, to the United States and our society. So with that being said, uh, I think I mentioned uh, the, these guys that are here around the round table that do the interviewing, they only let me ask one question and we'll get into that uh, later in the show, but I'm going to turn it over to Steve and Jim, and uh, you all can sort of introduce each other to your, and yeah. go from there. Well, uh, Richard, I uh, hail from New York, as does Steve, and uh, we're kind of transplants down here. And you have to have probably the northernmost automotive museum in the United States, I would think. I believe we do. There might be a couple in Maine that are a little bit further north, but uh, we're only 14 miles from the Canadian border. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how much snow's on the ground right now? Uh, we got probably about six inches. A lot of the big storms have been heading a little south of us, so it's very cold, though. It's only 10 degrees this morning. Wow. Well, it's not that much warmer. No. Steve, it's not that much warmer here. It's in the mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. we're Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all that freezing. Um Tell us, well, first of all, I've got just one question. You're in Plattsburgh itself, correct? That's correct. Uh, we're actually located on the former Plattsburgh Air Force Base. Uh, that's That was going to be my uh, next what they question. Call the old base, which was formerly, even before that, it was an Army post. Uh, and the buildings were built around 1938. That's where our lo- museum's located. Yeah, that's, I was kind of guessing that, because I was in Rome this summer at... Uh, Griffiths. At Griffiths, and, uh, of course... I, I thought that base had been decommissioned, but there's more uniforms there now than there were in the 60s, I think. So I'm not sure what's going on over there. But tell us about right. your museum. Excuse me? Uh, please tell us about your museum. Okay, well, first of all, it's called the Champlain Valley Transportation Museum. Uh, we're actually, uh, we, we are basically a car museum. We have a lot more automobiles than anything, but we have a whole variety of other types of vehicles, too. Uh, and we're centered around uh, an automobile that used to be built in Plattsburgh called the Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R. Uh, at one time, it was one of the most expensive cars in the United States and one of the highest quality cars. And uh, so our museum was originally going to be a Lozier museum until uh, the founder of our museum found out they're so expensive and so rare that we could only afford a couple of them. So uh, 
they came here to Plattsburgh to build boats first, which we have a boat, uh, and we have a couple of the larger cars and a variety of other cars, too. Beautiful. Um, actually, and people don't realize this, there were a lot of cars built in New York State, and uh, I was surprised. I didn't realize the Lozier was No, I didn't built. either. No, no. Uh, of course, and then Buffalo was Pierce Arrow, and Franklin was over in... Syracuse and Casanova, so Maxwell, Maxwell, and tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah, um, what I kind of like you to do is maybe start with the oldest car in your museum and just kind of work forward to the newest car. And I, I, sure. su- uh, go, I assume you have a bunch of brass cars. Well, we have a few, not a lot of them. Uh, we're a fairly small museum. There's a total of about forty automobiles. Uh, they run the oldest is uh, I'll tell you the oldest is a 1910 National. Uh, the Nationals were um, a luxury car, quite expensive at the time, and quite big. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve mentioned and our National is uh, a Speedster. It's a fire engine red Speedster, all brass. It's a beautiful automobile, uh, around 500 cubic inch, four cylinder engine with a dual ignition system on it, three speed standard transmission, and that's the oldest car. Okay, I bet it. Uh, is it on your website? Is there a picture? Uh, there are some pictures of it on the website because it's a privately owned car, uh, and it, it occasionally comes. It's on display. It's on display currently, uh, and uh, we are updating the website. I'm going to apologize for our website. We're a small organization uh, run by basically three people, and we are updating the website. And currently, it's uh, it's working, but it's not the way it should be. So oh, we do very soon your, here, we're working on it. We do have your website on uh, streaming on the internet right now. We uh, put okay. it up on our website. So uh, there you go. There you go. Good. All okay. Right. Well, so the next car would be from 1910. We have a 1915 brass Model T. Of course, that's the car that put America on the road, basically. Uh, and then the 1921 Model T, which is all black, which is the way most of them would look. Um, and then we go to, uh, we have the two Lodger cars. Uh, Lodgers are very rare, just so you know, there's only, we've located 43 cars worldwide that we know of. Uh, they produce 3,800 cars, so that we have two, uh, one's a 1914 and one's a 1915. Uh, Lodger production started around 1905 for automobiles. Uh, and it ended right around 1915, uh, was pretty much the end when their bankruptcy occurred. Is and the then uh, we have another brass car, which is a, a Page. We have a, a 1917 Page, uh, seven-passenger touring car, yellow. with uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful luxury car, but it was a lot less expensive than a loger. Huh. Uh, um, price around uh, approximately $1,500. Wow. Is, is the Lozier factory building still standing in Plattsburgh? It is. All of the factories, uh, they built, they came here to Plattsburgh to build boats first at the turn of the century, and we have what we call the boat building. It's located basically now, and it's all part of a Georgia Pacific uh, paper manufacturing plant. But all those buildings are there, all the brick buildings where the automobiles were built, the foundry, uh, the boat uh, plant, that's all still right in, in filled in location there. So, so there's more than one reason to come up to uh, Plattsburgh then and uh, take a look at things. Oh, absolutely. We yeah. have a beautiful, we're located on Lake Champlain, which is 150 miles long, 12 miles wide. The boating is really beautiful. There's mountains all around uh, to the west of us. Uh, there's skiing, there's uh, mountain climbing. 
rivers, fishing, uh, almost any almost any outdoor activity you can think of. But in the summer, uh, very very nice camping. Uh, in the winter time, snowmobile. We have snowmobile trails all around, so there's really a lot to do here. Uh, I uh, one of my favorite things is to ride the ferry over to Vermont from Plattsburgh. And, uh, right, the ferry's been running since uh, mid 1800s. Right, uh, it goes from, uh, right across to Burlington, and that opens another whole new area of things to see around here. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, let's let's move on with the cars. We stopped with the 17 page. Right, uh, we also have a 1927 page. Uh, gentleman came uh, last year to visit the museum, and uh, he saw the page we had, and he decided to. Uh, he's loaning us his page, and it's interesting to see ten years. Uh, difference between the cars. The the newer page is smaller, uh, beautiful interior. Uh, then we'll move on to the Dodges. We have two. Uh, we have uh, three Dodges. Uh, the oldest is a 1918 Dodge limousine, and it was actually owned by the Dodge family. Uh, John Dodge was the elder of the two Dodge brothers, and it was built uh, in Detroit. Uh, the chassis was, and it was brought to the H H Babcock Company over here in Western New York State where it was converted into a limousine for his family. Uh, So it's kind of a unique piece. Um, The uh, Babcock Company used to make uh, funeral coaches and uh, parade uh, coaches and that kind of thing, and uh, so that that was a personal car for him. And then we have a 1923 Dodge touring car. And uh, I'm just going around the museum. They're not necessarily in order, but I'm just going around our main gallery where you go in with the oldest cars. Uh, the next vehicle is a 1924 Rio uh, truck. It's uh, a one-ton uh, delivery truck, and people are kind of amused when they see the front of it because it's called an REO Speedwagon, which uh, brings up the name of uh, the rock group. So uh, kind of an interesting vehicle. Yes. And it was used in the local Plattsburgh area as well. It was part of the uh, Plattsburgh Motor Service at one time for their delivery vehicle. And then we have uh, three Model A's. We have a very rare 1920. Uh, eight model, a uh, 29 model, I'm sorry, uh, a touring car with right-hand drive. It was actually assembled down in uh, Argentina. So it's a very, very rare uh, piece. Uh, I don't know how it got back up here to us, but it's a gray touring car, fi- a five-passenger touring. And then we have a truck called the, the Huckster, which was built by Ford up to the windshield. It's a 1930 Model A, and it has a wood back on it, and it was used for farmers to sell their produce. And they went door to door in the summer in the summer months. Uh, then we have a 1930 Model A five window coupe with a rumble seat on the back. Again, a very common car, priced around five hundred dollars. Um, the next car we have is a uh, 1927 Pierce Arrow. Of course, those as you mentioned before, those were built in Buffalo. And uh, we also have Pierce, Pierce Arrow bicycle because that's what George Pierce started with bicycles, and then from there went into the automobile business. Uh, then the next one is a 1927 uh, Packard. It's a 426 uh, sedan. Uh, and it was actually bought brand new in Burlington, Vermont, right across the lake from us. Uh, so it's another kind of a local car. Uh, big, massive automobile. Uh, it was a very expensive car at the time. Uh, I don't know if you want me to just keep going. You oh, want me yeah. To no, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. We'll come back to certain cars and once we... Yeah, and, and we'll yeah. talk about other amenities. And then, uh, then there's uh, a, a 1940 DeSoto New York City taxi cab. Of course, the DeSotos, when you go from the Packard, a very boxy, big, big automobile to the DeSoto, it's very streamlined looking, uh, very uh, swoopy thunders, 
part of the Art Deco look to the car, very uh, very kind of elegant uh, automobile, large, uh, long wheelbase, lots of room in the back seat for a taxi cab, uh, and it's got the old ration stickers on the windshield like you would have had in World War II. And then uh, the next car is a, a 1949 Riley Le Mans Roadster, which is a British car. Uh, the body's all made out of aluminum, uh, primarily because there was a shortage of steel after the war. So I don't know if you want to talk about any of those. Uh, that's our; these are our oldest cars over in the first of our two buildings. Okay, uh, Steve, let me yeah. uh, let me turn it over to you, and and uh, we talk cars. But when we get through with the cars, I'd like to kind of hear about both buildings and whether you have a restoration shop and. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. Thing. Do you do your own work, or do you do you, uh, uh, are the cars brought to you, or or? Well, we do have a restoration shop. We have a six bay restoration shop, um, and we have a gentleman uh, who, along with some other volunteers, maintains the cars. Uh, we don't own all the cars. A lot of these are uh, cars that are on loan. <laughs> Uh, the ones on loan are responsible. The owners would be responsible for their own cars. We can do work on them if we need to. Uh, we have a maintenance program uh, run by volunteers uh, where we uh, check the oil and keep the tires rotated and uh, occasionally start the cars and that kind of thing. Uh, so the restoration shop is, is on right on site, uh, and they, they basically maintain all the vehicles we have in the collection. Uh, Dick, we're going to have to stop here and take our first break. Uh, we do yep. our breaks every uh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So yep. we'll be back with you right after this message. Okay. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web. Radio. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay. Hey, yeah, this is Steve. How you doing? Good. All right. I'd like to go back to the Lozier's because those are really interesting cars. Uh, I know right. of one in Metro Atlanta. Uh, it used to be in the, the uh, uh, Jim Kaufman collection, and I'm not sure uh, where it has ended up. 
most of the Lozier's that I'm familiar with were sort of even semi-competition cars. Is that true? That's correct. Uh, Mr. Lozier, uh, one of the things he wanted to do was to prove the uh, the strength of the car, the value of the car, uh, the durability and the speed by racing with completely stock cars. He forbade his engineers from doing any modifications. The idea was that you would buy an automobile, do what you wanted to do with it, and it would meet specifications as advertised. Yeah, and you said they, racing. they only made how many total? Uh, the total was approximately 3,800 cars, uh, divided between Plattsburgh the first five years exclusively in Plattsburgh, and then the last five years in Detroit. They actually built a new plant in Detroit. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that they had moved to Detroit. But. Yeah, the uh, engines were continued to be built because they had the foundry here. So the engines from 1905 right up until 1912 were all built here in Plattsburgh, and then they would ship them to Detroit for final assembly. Uh, the uh, the wonderful thing about Plattsburgh is they did not build the bodies here. The uh, the chassis, the engine, the powertrain, the front fenders, the radiator, and all that, all the mechanicals were all built here in Plattsburgh. They were shipped by train down to uh, the New York area where custom coach builders would build all the bodywork for it. Yeah, and that's why you see them, and there there are no two that are the same. They they don't look alike. A lot of them. They they right. Sort there of were individual. some standard models, but uh, because these were very expensive cars, uh, you could pretty much uh, pick whatever colors you wanted or whatever bodywork. Yeah. A lot of people actually bought two bodies. It was not uncommon uncommon for a lawyer to have a touring body and a sedan body or a limousine body, uh, both delivered at the same time with the car. And, and That's what was unusual about them. And their people would change the body depending upon the whim of the owner, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it would Summer be the seasons <laughs> because up here it's very cold, so a touring car wouldn't be used a whole lot in the winter. No, I wouldn't think uh, so. Yeah, and, of course, down where you live, uh, obviously a touring car would be more appropriate. So what you could do is to get both, like, a limousine body delivered or a closed-in body, and then when the colder weather comes, you switch over to closed body and enjoy yourself a uh, open touring car in the summer. Yeah, I bet it didn't take that much long. I bet it didn't take them that long either. Uh, no, not really. There's uh, the bodywork. The frame is very strong on the loggers. That, that's what makes them pretty heavy. So it would be a matter of just unbolting the bodywork and uh, take the steering wheel off, change it over, and then go right back uh, to the other style. Other than Lozier, were there any other auto automotive companies in the the Plattsburgh area that you're that you're aware of? Well, uh, there uh, not in the old days. There is a, we have a more modern taxi on the other building. We have a we have what we call the pre-war side, which is one building, and then the second building has mostly post-war. And we do have a uh, what they call a GSN taxi, which was uh, to be built. It was a prototype. They actually made eight of them here in Plattsburgh, and it was to become a handicapped cab for New York City. It was a competition uh, that the city uh, came out with. Uh, to let vendors uh, into the market, and uh, this GSM taxi was based on a front-wheel drive General Motors platform, but it has a fiberglass body, and it seats uh, two people with wheelchairs in the back. And uh, they decided, uh, for some reason, to go with Nissan, and uh, the gentleman that uh, built some of these prototypes, they decided just to give up the the uh, competition. So that would have been a second vehicle here. But there were 215 different auto manufacturers in New York State. 
Uh, a lot of them were on New York City, Albany, and especially out near uh, Rochester and Buffalo. Yeah, I, w- I grew up in Jamestown, New York, and there was even two or three manufacturers in Chautauqua County and Jamestown. They only made a couple, three cars, most of them, and but they, they count they count on the list. Yep, absolutely. They, they, they do count uh, on the list. And you're in the old SAC Air Force Base, right? That's right, yeah. We're... Uh, the the part that we're on, Route Nine, is a major road that goes north and south. Uh, and basically, we're on the east side of the thing, which is the old Army base. Back uh, in 1938, all of our buildings were built, and it was actually the motor pool. So it's a a perfect spot for a car cool. museum. I'm pretty sure uh, the, I was the there. Strategic on... Air Command. The flight line was all built on what we call the new base, which is on the west side of Route Nine, and that's where the flight line is. It's currently an airport now. Oh, okay, Plattsburgh International, huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure I was there uh, a few years ago. We've done a lot of the New England brass and gas tours, and yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure that w- w- we've been to your your facility on one of the tours because we crossed the the ferry from Burlington. We are up in Stowe. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that we've been there because what what sticks out, and of course the most memorable car, memorable cars are the two Lozers that you have had. Right. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that we we uh, were there on one of the tours that we've done. And if I remember, it was a, uh, a a really nice facility that you guys have. One of the things that interests me a lot, other than just the car part stuff, when I was on the AACA National Board, my my biggest emphasis and the thing I had the most fun with was dealing with youth development. Do you do any specialized youth programs for kids and and get involved in the local community and try to get the kids into the old car hobby? Well, we uh, we are actually we uh, there are three three there are three uh, auto trade schools uh, called BOCES. Uh, and one is in Plattsburgh, one is in uh, Saranac Lake, one is in Malone. And uh, we they come to visit the museum. Uh, we give them tours. And uh, we're giving an award called the Golden Wrench Award to the student that shows the most promise. And this is something we've just instituted uh, just recently. And, by the way, we also have a children's museum where you're, you're just about to open it. Uh, it's in an old uh, former uh, Army stables where the horses were, and we refurbished the whole building. Uh, with a grant from the Department of Transportation, and uh, it's all set up. It's going to be from kids, uh, little kids, uh, who are first being introduced to transportation and uh, fun. Uh, we have a robotics program that's going to be in there where kids are learning how uh, to operate and control and work with robotics. Uh, it's called the Lego Robotics Program. Uh, and so that are a little bit of the older kids, and then some of the others, uh, we offer them the, the chance of doing some maintenance on the cars. So we, we that's a, a new kind of a new field for us in terms of uh, a specific building dedicated to the kids. Yeah, I think that to me, I think that's the most important thing that that the guys that are established in the hobby need to do because as you look around and you go to, I don't know if you go to Hershey or go to any of the national events that. Uh, uh, the average age is 193 <laughs> when you start I looking around. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 <laughs> yeah, and what, I'm not exactly 193, but I'm uh, in my in the 70s. So yeah, um, and yeah, I agree with you. Getting younger people involved is really important. Do you go down to Hershey much, or go down to the? I've been to Hershey. I've done the Carlisle. Uh, I go to uh, 
Uh, I go to the New York Auto Show, so I try to keep a wide variety. I go, uh, I'm in Connecticut often. I used to work for Pratt Whitney Aircraft, uh, uh-huh, building cool. aircraft uh, engines, and uh, there's a lot of car shows down there I attend. And uh, I also go to Stowe in Vermont, where we're uh, in a, uh, we have a close association with the Vermont Auto Enthusiasts, uh, and they have uh, a large number of members. It's one of the oldest car clubs in the United States. And the Stowe Auto Show has a lot of beautiful yes, cars. Yes, they do. They do, and they they have show. a huge British car show. That's right. Yeah, they have a huge because that's that. That was my first uh, love were British sports cars, and I shouldn't say the the H word, but hot rods, real hot rods without fenders. Yep. <laughs> and kind of a funny story, you know that Smuggler's Notch up there. At, at Stowe, uh, on the hill, on the mountain, where they tell you don't take a car trailer through. Right. And I, of course, have a friend who had to think that they were totally wrong, and he took a car trailer through and had to get two wreckers to move them. So wow, he, yeah. That's, he wouldn't listen. <laughs> that's a hair-raising place to go through there. I've been through before. Yeah. In a car. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. So you could do the Stowe stuff. Anyway, um what are the what are the hours of your museum and stuff? When do you open close? Uh, we're open. Uh, we're open uh, from Tuesday to Saturday, ten a.m. to two p.m. So we're open four hours a day. Uh, we do give guided tours. So the tours uh, you have a a person give you the actual tour. We explain all the cars and also other things. <laughs> you have a lot of things besides cars. Uh, so it's a totally guided tour. It's interactive. You can uh, ask questions and that kind of thing. And it takes about an hour and a half to go through. So uh, with our tour start at 10, and they go till the last tour starts at 1 o'clock, again, because uh, it's a guided tour, and it takes a, or generally an hour and a half, depending on the, uh, what people, uh, what questions they have about things. Can, can, can groups arrange their own special tours if they, if they contact you and want to... Absolutely. Uh, all you need to do is call. Uh, we arrange tours. We can arrange uh, other separate hours if necessary. Uh, we've done it for on a Sunday, for example, if, if necessary. If they can't come during the regular hours, uh, if it's a you know we, for a fairly large group of people, we definitely will accommodate most anybody. Uh, any groups, particularly car car groups, we do quite a few different tours. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I like I said, we were with the the. The New England Brass and Gas. I'm sure that I've been there after listening, especially about the the, the cars and the two, those two cars, especially uh, with that with that stuff. And anyway, right. what are some of the post-war cars you guys have? Okay, uh, on the second building, uh, well, we start off with uh, with uh, what happened between the uh, the pre and post-war is a Jeep, a 1942 World War II Jeep. It's an MJ. Uh, is uh, largely unrestored. It's almost totally original. Has almost all the equipment with it. Uh, the, the jack and the grease gun and all the stuff that would come with it. Oil can under the hood. Uh, so during the war, we, the way we explain uh, in the museum is that car production came to a halt, and America got behind the all the car manufacturers switched over to some form of military equipment. So we have a 42 World War II Jeep with a uh, matching trailer. The trailer. Uh, uh, was made uh, to, to go with the Jeep. Uh, the wheels are interchangeable and so on. So that's that's one of the vehicles. Um, and uh, then we have a, a Crosley. We have a uh, 19, uh, 1947 Crosley, which is a little compact car that we had here sure, in the States. Cool um, a little four-cylinder engine, and it's matched up with a Crosley radio. 
because William Paul Klaus, as that's how he got started, was radios. From radios, he went to these, uh, he built an engine for uh, the B-17. It was actually a generator uh, for 110 volt that was used uh, when the aircraft was on the ground over in England. Because uh, they had 220 volt and our automobile electrical equipment wasn't compatible. Uh, from there, that engine became the engine from the Will Crossy automobile. Uh, which, which was produced from 46 until 52, and then we also have a Crosley refrigerator. So it's kind of, we called our Crosley, <laughs> Crosley corner. Crosley corner, huh? Uh, yeah. Dick, yeah. Dick, uh, Dick, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We've got a hard yeah. break coming up. We'll be back with yeah. more from Dick Sulper and talking about the Champlain Museum. We'll be back. That's a cold The disease of addiction that. is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby... Uh, that I've been part of for years. Not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to, to uh, insure your classic car, classic, antique, or even your street ride. Call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Hi, this is Kate Copsey from the Master Gardener Hour. We talk all about plants and gardeners every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on America's Web Radio. So please come and join us. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Richard, we're back, and uh, okay. Steve had started talking about the post-war building, and I'd love to hear more. The Crosley, uh, what body is on that? The two-door sedan? Uh, it's the little two-door sedan. Yeah. Oh, those are neat. Yeah, they had four different ones. They had a little pickup, uh, two-door sedan, a little convertible, and a little station wagon. So there are four models. Yeah, and then they built the Hot Shots for a while, and then he built the, yeah the small one, yeah the yeah. little tiny one, yeah. And then he built a farm vehicle for a while. And uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, but yeah, uh, yeah he was quite an inventive man, oh, uh, yeah. William Paul Crosby. He's yeah. quite a uh, quite an imagination. That engine, the cast iron block engine, not the other one that was welded together, uh, but the cast, the, what they call the CIBA engine. 
That thing was phenomenal. A lot of guys put them in sports cars and raced them in the 50s. Right. Uh, we actually have both engines for this car. We have the original uh, welded engine wow. that's on display next to the radio. Because uh, those were not really uh, durable during the cold below zero weather and the, the super hot uh, temp- summer temperatures. Right. So we have the uh, the car actually has the cast engine, cast iron replacement engine, and the original welded engine next to it. Beautiful. Well, let's proceed so on after the Crosleys. Right. What else do you have over there? Okay, we have a uh, a we have a 1950 Indian motorcycle. We have only three motorcycles, but the Indian is kind of interesting. Uh, it's an original one. Of course, Indian was the first American manufacturer of uh, motorcycles. They started in uh, 1901, and Harley-Davidson came out in 1903. So uh, the Indian is basically all original, unrestored. Uh, and then we have a 1970 Honda Monkey, and then we also have a Montgomery Ward Moped, uh, another interesting uh, vehicle. Uh, 48 Dodge convertible uh, with the, uh, the semi-automatic transmission which is kind of an interesting transmission. Uh, it is all restored, and it was uh, owned by a former mayor of Plattsburgh, uh, John Ionelli. It's his, his car. Uh, then we have a 56 Buick Century four-door hardtop, uh, unrestored, uh, beautiful car. The only thing it's ever had was a paint job. It's red and white four-door hardtop with a big old nailhead uh, V8 engine in it. And then a 56 Fairlane Victoria, two-door hardtop with fender skirts, continental kit, uh, the most unusual option it has electric windows. Uh, it's a light kind of a robin's egg blue and white, uh, very very classic 1950s. And then uh, moving on, the next door to that one we have a 1963 Studebaker Avanti R2 with a supercharger, uh, and it's got it's a four speed car. Wow! Uh, another kind of an unusual fiberglass bodied car like yep. Studebaker. Yes. Uh, next to that we have a 1965 Ford Mustang. Uh, it's actually one of the original ones. Uh, they call it the uh, 64 and a half. It's actually registered as a 65, but it has the alternator uh, instead of the generator. These were the first cars built from March uh, through April of 1964. Uh, so red convertible, four-speed transmission, dual exhaust, 225 horse V8 engine. Uh, and then a 67 Jaguar SKE Series 1 uh, Roadster. Yeah. Uh, it's red. Uh, it's got the uh, the uh, three, uh, the 4.2 liters six cylinder engine in it with a four speed, uh, and then we have a uh, fire truck, an interesting old fire truck, and it kind of goes. It's pre-war, but it's a 1931 American La France fire truck, V12 engine, uh, approximately 700 cubic inch V12 with four distributors and two carburetors and chain drive, and it was the first brand new fire truck that was ever purchased brand new at, for the Plattsburgh Fire Department. It went in service in 1931 and uh, finished service in 1978, so a long history here. And it's all totally restored. Everything's, uh, the chrome has all been redone on it, and it's uh, back to original condition. That's that's neat. And that engine, of course, was <laughs> quite a motor, 700 cubic inch V12. Yeah, big, big, big I, I know stuff. a couple of guys that tried to stuff those in Auburns because at one time that, <laughs> yeah, that uh, it's a Lycoming engine. Correct. The engine is a very large. It's a narrow angle. It's a 90-degree angle V12. V, uh, uh, but I, I can't even imagine. Uh, my father actually was a fireman, and he used to keep it tuned up. And it has four distributors. So uh, anyway, it's uh, each distributor running three 
three cylinders, and you had to tune all four of those distributors to keep the engine running. I, I, I start uh, saying, Dick, how did they sync those? I, to be honest with you, I don't know. My father passed away years ago, and what they did, it, because it was an older truck, uh, they sent my father down to Elmira. They were built in Elmira, New York, and they taught him how to do it. And, it, and uh, it's still running now, so somebody knows, knows how to do it. I guess you do it by ear, I guess. Uh, because it would start if you start turning it, it starts sputtering on you, sputtering on you. Yeah. So I guess you just do it by. Uh, I, I don't. To be honest, I don't know. I I know how to do to tune up a, a point type distributor on a in a single distributor, but how you do it on the four, I don't know. Well, now with that with that fire truck, uh, was there a way to you displace the engine to the pump and all this kind of stuff? So the so the engine kept there's a, running. And there's a, a gear that you actually engage. So the, so uh, what what happens is when you get to the fire, you put it in neutral, and then there's another section of the of the shaft you connect over to the water pump, and that's what runs the the engine runs the water pump on it. How many? I mean, you said it was still in service until 1978. How many hours would that engine have on it? Any guesstimation? Uh, I, that I can't answer, but it was a backup truck at the time, so it would be used. Uh, it does pump 1,500 gallons of water a minute, but uh, they have much more moderate equipment, obviously. But uh, in 1978, I know if there was a real big fire, they would use it. If they had to go a long distance for the fire to pump water from one hydrant to another, it would be used to pump uh, up to the other trucks that were right on the front line. Wow. That, uh, that's incredible. 1,500 gallons a minute. Right, from 1931. That's right. pretty impressive from 1931. It'll fill your swimming pool. Boy, it sure will. <laughs> the thing about things. that that I find interesting is is how do you how are the four distributors synchronized to give you equal advance? It, it's got to be a mechanical control, and it can't be centrifugal or or vacuum because you couldn't. Nothing is that perfect across four four separate engines in one block, if you will. Right, exactly. Uh, so, like I said, my father unfortunately passed away years ago. Uh, that information went with him. They still are able to keep it running, but I think what they do, they just they just move the distributor back and forth until it's smooth. Uh, to be honest, until it runs smoothly. Because I, to be honest with you, I couldn't begin to tell you uh, how they how that's done. Yeah, um, I, I that seems kind of. Really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a lot of faith in your equipment if oh, yeah. you're going to do it automatic. Yeah, that's a lot of people who come to the museum and see that. Uh, mechanics are just blown away by it. Uh, how they did that. Um, and one of the distributors is right behind the big steering knuckle. The steering knuckle looks like it was designed to work a ship. It's that big. It's uh, yeah. the shaft coming down from it is huge, and the steering knuckle is. Uh, it's very large. It's probably uh, 12 by 15 inches, just where the knuckle is, right, and it's right beside one of the distributors. So, uh, and two updraft carburetors, which is another unusual thing, and it has big chains in the back. It's a chain drive truck. Dick, with that being said, uh, talking about the fire truck and, and the rest of the cars in the museum, and the fact that you all have a restoration shop and people that keep them, are all of your cars running, and do you take them out to... Uh, Every now and then for a, for a test drive. Well, we do. Some of them we do. It depends. Uh, the ones that are like the, the fire truck is owned by the Plattsburgh Fire Department Union. They're the ones that restored it. It's their truck, uh, and they take it and they they're the ones that do the service work on it because it's not our vehicle. 
if if a if some of the cars for a lot of the cars are driven, uh, some of them are not. Some of them are uh, just simply that the people that own them don't have the space for them, uh, and some of them are not driven. That's where our maintenance program comes in. We check the oil, we turn the differentials over, we crank the engines over uh, to make sure they're lubricated. But it's up to the owner if it's a privately owned car. Our own personal cars are are driven. They are run periodically. Are either of the Lozier's your own personal cars? Uh, the uh, Well, the, the 1914 Lozier was donated to the museum by Jeffrey Lozier, and Jeffrey is the great-grandson of Henry Lozier, the founder of the company. Uh, the Burgundy car, the seven-passenger, is owned by Anthony Vaccaro. He's the executive director of the museum. So it's his own personal car. In fact, he, uh, this summer he's going to be driving it. Uh, and so it's going to be on and off display from time to time. Okay, that, that's that's neat. That, that he is I, that sounds. That. Like, I think I've met him at, at. Does he do brass car tours? Does he do what? Brass car tours. You know, fifteen and older horses carriage. No, kind of I don't stuff. think he. I don't think he's been in the tour. He, the car's probably been in the tour before. It might be before we even owned it. Uh, but the uh, he he does it. He's very busy. He's a uh, a doctor. So. He's very busy with patients. He actually operates out of three hospitals locally, so he's a really busy person. Uh, but he does drive as many cars as he can. That's nice. That's the best thing. Keep him going. Keep yeah. him on the road. Yeah. Exactly. Keep, keep him on the road. Well, they deteriorate otherwise. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, t- all right. We, we got to the fire engine. Is there anything more in the post-war building that? Uh... Well, there's there's one other until we get to what we call the race car room. But the uh, the last car that I want to mention in there is a, a very unusual electric car. If you bought the, uh, I don't know the month, but in, in 1981 there was an issue of Mechanics Illustrated that uh, uh, showed you the town car which was a fiberglass-bodied electric car powered by strictly electricity. And, of course, 1980, the cars that we have today, the electric cars today, were nowhere around at the time. And what this is, uh, if you went to Mechanics Illustrated, they sent you an adapter plate, uh, and you would start with a VW Beetle chassis, uh, throw the engine out, and you would put in a conveyor belt electric motor in it. And it is run by 12 6-volt batteries, and we actually have that car. Uh, the local gentleman uh, completed it, and uh, we have that car on display. In fact, it's probably going to be at the Stoll Auto Show this this summer. They're going to they're going to feature electric cars. So it's a uh, it's not really a kit car because you had to build the body yourself. The body panels are made out of styrofoam, a half inch styrofoam that you buy to insulate your house. I know exactly the car you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. Incredible car. Yeah. Right next to the. Yeah, we car. have it. We have it on display. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right. Now, you've already piqued my interest. So, are we going to take a break, Mr. Uh, Moxley, sir? Yeah, we can take yeah. uh, we can take a break right quick and uh, come back with Dick and wrap this up right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, Consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back, and I'm anxious to hear about your race car section, so if you could take us through that, please. Yeah, uh, there's only a few vehicle, couple vehicles uh, over there, but uh, the first one is very interesting. It's a uh, 1925 uh, Ford Model T Bobtail. Uh, and uh, what it is, it, uh, if you wanted to go racing, uh, very inexpensive racing, uh, this is how you do it. Uh, it has a, it's what we call a bobtail, so it looks like an Indy car more or less, uh, and the car sweeps back to a pointed tail on the back. There's no fenders on it, uh, and it's been, uh, uh, it's been completely restored. Uh, it weighs 900 pounds, and it has the, uh, the radio overhead valve conversion. Okay. And, of course, Rajo, uh, the Model T's, uh, were only 20 horsepower when they were new. And this has the racing cam in it, uh, 90 horsepower and 900 pounds. So it's uh, it's quite a vehicle. It's got the big exhaust pipe down the side, and it is registered for the road, and it can be driven. Does it have uh, brakes? Pardon me? <laughs> Does it have brakes? I have a Model T, it, and they don't have brakes. <laughs> well, they do, kind of, uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of, the rear sort axle. of, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've ridden in it. The boss drove me around in it one time. It belongs to Dr. Vaccaro, and uh, it's uh, it's a tight fit for two people, and it's a little scary driving around, but it's it's pretty fast. It's kind of an amazing vehicle. Oh, that's neat. And and the other cars? Uh, the other car is actually, it's, it's not really truly a race car, but it's what they, a uh, Kissel, a 1911 Kissel, K-I-S-S-E-L-L, uh, and it's a Speedster, and it's very similar to the National. Uh, and it's a it's a car. It's unrestored. It's an example of an unrestored car. Uh, it's owned by a gentleman in Vermont, and uh, the car was actually driven over here uh, in November 29th of actually about four years ago. Uh, he called me up. He was he was going to bring it earlier, but he wasn't able to. He calls me up from the ferry with a cell phone, and he says, uh, "Yeah, I'm on the road crossing the lake." And he said, "I'll be there shortly." And it turns out he can he drove it right over. He had a leather jacket. It was in. Uh, it was cold. Cold day. Uh, he drives it all over creation, and uh, so it's been on display about the last four years. Uh, very interesting to see an unrestored brass era car uh, with all the original equipment on it. Oh yeah, I wonder how he found that car. Do you know any of the history of it? I don't know a whole lot of the history. I know uh, there were. Uh, it wasn't a complete car. I know he had to put a lot of pieces together. Uh, his name is Steve Dana. And he's a member of the Vermont Auto Enthusiasts, and he, um, he, like I said previously, he used to go to all the brass events, and he used to do an awful lot of driving. He has several cars, uh, but lately uh, he has had it out at our museum for a long time. But it's a good example because this is an easy car to race. All you do is take the thunders off. Uh, it's got a three-speed transmission. It's a right drive, by the way. The National and the Kissel are both right drive cars. And all American cars were right drive until the Model T came out. Henry Ford is the one that pushed the issue. We always drove on the right-hand side of the road, but 
the European tradition was to have right drive, and this is a right drive car too as well. Oh, that that's great. So now we've covered pretty much your museum inventory. Do you have a gift shop or a little sandwich shop for people? Well, we don't have a sandwich shop, but we do have a museum store, and uh, we are in. Uh, we've been open for a few years here, but we're slowly building. Uh, new new things. We're going to have a new entrance to our building, and we will have a fairly large museum store. Uh, you'll be able to get snacks and that kind of thing, and we are going to sell uh, a number of items uh, that you could find in the store. By the way, one of the things I did want to mention is my passion for the museum. I'm a collector of miniatures and models, and uh, I have a large collection of die-cast model cars, trucks, and so on. Uh, it's dedicated in its own room. It's in the first building you go into, and there's over a thousand models in there. In fact, the room is wow. there's so much in it now that you literally can't. Uh, I can't contain it in the room. And it, uh, there's uh, my personal collection. I've been collecting for many years. Uh, I am a car enthusiast, by the way. I have a uh, I have a '69 Camaro and a 2006 Mustang. Uh, and uh, my so my collection of diecast model cars. That's how I came to the museum. I brought them over there. Uh, there's a huge room. Uh, Again, on the website, if you keep coming to the website, when we update it, you'll see some very good pictures of the diecast room. Uh, some of them are large uh, large vehicles. Uh, some of them are three feet long. Some of the, what wow. they call the tin uh, trucks and cars. Right, right. So it's really quite a sight to see. And we also have, uh, over in the second building, when you go out of the race car room, we have a huge train exhibit. We have a uh, real locomotive, a 1923 Vulcan, and it's based on a gas engine that was used at a mine uh, in Mineville, New York. And it's, uh, I've got it all set up so kids can go in it. They can blow the whistle. They can actually w- operate some of the equipment in the cab. Uh, so it's kind of a hands-on uh, thing. And then we have two model railroad layouts. We have, uh, when you go in, we have the history of the North Country. Uh, so you would go from uh, down in uh, uh, j- just a little about 30 miles south of Plattsburgh, uh, we've modeled in HO gauge all the Plattsburgh area, the fact of the Lourdes factory. There's a model of the factory there with the cars. Uh, and then as you come up, you go all the way up to the Canadian border. So this is all an HO gauge with authentic Delaware and Hudson Railroad cars and trains. And then uh, the other thing we have is a large Lionel train layout. Uh, it's about 30 feet by 8 feet, and it features all this Plattsburgh area. Uh, some of the local attractions here, we have windmills, which we have up on the northern end of our county up here. We have a lot of electric generating stations up there, uh, and that are, they're featured on the layout, too. There's a, a circus and a carnival going on the layout, so that's the other part of the thing. That's what you see just before you leave. Oh, that, that's great. I'll bet you get a lot of 70-year-old kids in there to look at that, too, don't you? Absolutely. We have a, In fact, we have a whole group of uh, railroad enthusiasts. Uh, they basically take care of that whole section for me. Uh, we we have a number of people that are uh, there. In fact, this is an ongoing thing. They're modeling constantly. They're in there every, what, every other week. They come in and they're uh, uh, increasing that uh, collection. We just had recently we had almost twenty thousand dollars worth of uh, brand new Lionel trains donated to us, which that's going to wow. open another whole area we're going to be working with. Well, now, and uh, I, the last thing I want to quickly mention to you is the future. Uh, we are actually going to open up a whole new gallery, about 2,500 square feet, which will feature the Lozier factory. We're going to actually, you'll actually see those old-fashioned lathes going uh, and operating. Uh, we'll have the Lozier boat in there. Uh, we're going to have a Lozier showroom, the way it looked like at 42nd Street in New York City uh, in around 1915. 
Uh, and we're going to have boats on display, too, as well. Beautiful. So these are parts we didn't discuss yet, but they're, they're coming. That's wonderful. How soon, what are you looking at, a year or two? Well, it, uh, the Lozier factory thing will probably, I'm going to give the guess, take about a couple of years. Because okay. right now our resources are going towards this children's museum, getting this opening and running. And we're merging with another group of people called the Imaginarium. So uh, there's really two two children's groups coming together for this building at, at our horse stables there. Uh, it's a very large building. It's about 6,000 square feet. So our resources are going there this year. Some of it will be used to uh, build a larger factory, but I think the following year is when we'll probably, uh, we'll probably be getting that open. Oh, that, that's great. Now, what do you charge for admission uh, to, for people to come? Well, the, the basic charge is $5. Uh, seniors are $4. Uh, military uh, people, any military and families, uh, there's a dollar discount or a 20% discount off that. Uh, then there are different rates, of course, for children. All of our group rates are $4. Uh, children, uh, depending on the age, are either 4 or $3, depending on their age. Uh, under 6, they're free to come in the museum, our part. Uh, the Children's Museum will have separate rates. It's going to be run again separately. The people over there are uh, specialized in children, uh, and I believe their, uh, their admission of there is $5 per, per person. And that, as you say, is in the old stables. Right, right. That's neat. Uh, I, I, that, and of course, Steve mentioned this too is getting the young people interested in things like this again and how things work and all i can say is your model collection is also phenomenal that's that's really got to draw a lot of children I, I, it does absolutely oh, I got we're just our eyes open up in fact we leave the lights off in the room and then just before we go in it we turn on the lights as they come in and they'll look on people's faces and believe me, you can say children, but I'm telling you, some of the adults walk in there, and they're just they're blown away by it. Well, Dick, uh, I gotta I gotta ask. Uh, talking about your model trains, do you have any real model trains in there? The American Flyers. Uh, we most of ours are Lionel. They're either, they, the the O scale are all Lionel. Uh, we do have some American Flyer that are on display that will be on display. Uh, like I said, we're going to be, once the larger gallery opens, it's going to free up another room, and there will be a large collection of uh, just uh, all kinds of trains. Uh, they're going to be just like the diecast room. It'll be ceiling to floor uh, of exhibits around the whole entire room. I started to ask. Some yeah. of them will be American Flyer. Some will be Lionel. Yeah. Uh, how, how many real trains have you seen with three tracks? Us, us American Flyer folks... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are very partial. No, I agree. Them. I agree with you. <laughs> it's well, let's put it this way: I'm the director. I'm the director of exhibits, and when you get offered a free uh, thing to be set up by uh, a generous donor, that's what you have to go with. Sure. Uh, a lot <laughs> of our our training people around here are with American Flyer. Uh, I agree with you 100. percent But again, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You know Ab- what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, now, David, you get yep. to ask your one question. Okay. Yep. Uh, this this is the important question of the day. How many weddings have you all had at your facility, and are rehearsal dinners or receptions after weddings? Well, we haven't had any here at the museum, and the main reason is we just don't have the space right now. Uh, we are uh, we have a boat called the Weatherwax, which is a sailing ferry boat. It's a reproduction, uh, and that will become a, a stage for performing arts, and we're going to build a gazebo. So this will be part of an outdoor park that we're going to have. And again, it's all a matter of finances and time. Uh, and then we would be able to have a, a wedding, and the bride could arrive in an antique car. So that's kind of our future plans 
But again, it's a matter of when you're a small museum with limited resources, it's kind of one step at a time. That's where we're going. Well, at least it sounds like you're growing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And and the thing that I, I, I really like is the, the children's aspect of it because today... I, I wanted to ask one other thing, uh, Richard. You, you mentioned your uh, restoration shop. Is it open to the public? Can they walk by and see uh, your folks working on cars? Uh, they can see if they want to go in, but again, because of uh, insurance regulations and that kind of thing, it's not normally open to the public. But if anybody's interested in it, if you're a car enthusiast, you want to see it, uh, absolutely. Uh, right now we're working on a uh, 19, uh, we have a uh, 1953 Triumph renowned saloon, they call it, a four-door sedan, all-aluminum car. Uh, that's being restored. Uh, so, uh, we're putting a new leather interior in that one. And uh, there we're also working on a, uh, a 19, I believe it's a 1951 uh, Studebaker, bullet nose Studebaker that's undergoing restoration right now. That's super. Um, yep. with, with that being said, uh, Dick, we're about out of time. I want to thank you for being on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. Jim, you want to wrap it up? I, I just I want to thank you profusely. Uh, I'm gonna. I know Steve's been there. Uh, I'll want, want to mention. Are you having the Brew Fest in 2015? Uh, that for Yes, we are. Uh, okay. I don't have the exact date of it. It's in September. I'll be uh, there. But there will be a Brew Fest. I'll yeah. be there. Thank you very <laughs> much. Right. Thanks, Steve. Steve yeah. Anything else? No, no. Fine. I'm, I'm just glad. I think you're doing a good job, and I'm glad to see you're growing. Yes, and thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, for having us on. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.